The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, good morning again, everyone. So nice to be here with you. If you are just arriving, my name is May Elliott. And here we are in the midst of our week-long study on the foundations of Vipassana meditation. So yesterday was on the breath. Today we're talking about mindfulness of body. So there was uh, an experiment done by the University of Iowa some years ago where they made a gambling game that consisted of four decks. And each of the cards in the decks um, either awarded money or detracted money. And the task of the player uh, was to make as much money as possible. So unbeknownst to the player, some of the decks provided great gains, but even greater losses. So in essence, these were bad decks. And the only way to win the game was to pull from a good deck. Uh, so it usually took about 40, or 40 to 50 cards um, of sampling uh, from all the different decks before a participant caught on and could consciously avoid a bad deck. So about 40 to 50 cards. Now, during the game, a participant would be hooked up to electrodes measuring biometrics. And this is where the study got interesting. Um, so despite not being able to identify the good deck until about 40 or 50 cards, the participants' bodies showed a stress reaction when they hovered their hand over a bad deck only about 10 cards into the game. So this stress reaction happened long before the player consciously recognized that the bad deck would, would produce a losing hand. So 10 cards, 10 cards in, the body reacts. 40 to 50 cards in, the player can consciously name the pattern. So somehow the body was exhibiting stress signals, some, some sense of risk or danger associated with that deck, uh, 30 to 40 cards uh, before the thinking mind caught on. So for me, this points to the wisdom of the body. The body is giving us signals all the time. And what, what could we learn from the body if we really trained in listening to it? It has so much to teach us. Again, the quote that I shared at the beginning of the meditation, the language of the body is sensation, and feeling is the way we listen. And it's hard to listen. We're so often distracted. I, uh, I used to live at Tassajara, a secluded Zen monastery in the Ventana wilderness. And in the valley where the monastery was located, um, instruments would play to call the residents to the meditation hall. Uh, so when we'd hear the Han, this wooden block being hit, uh, we would know that it was time for zazen, for meditation. And one of my friends uh, would often remark at the sound of the Han, oh, it's time to go to the movies. Uh, and I thought that was apt, <laughs> because sometimes sitting in meditation can feel a lot like sitting down to a fantasy film or maybe a drama 
or a horror film, or if we're lucky, maybe a romance. <laughs> and our habits of rumination are a lot like watching blockbuster hits. So when we sit down to meditate, often it's hard to, to attend to the language of the body. It's hard to actually hear it because it's drowned out by the films of our mind. As we become more settled, and we begin to enjoy the peace and ease of simplicity, the peace and ease of resting in the body, we realize that the blockbuster hits, no matter how enjoyable they seem to be, are actually pretty agitating. Being lost in thought, uh, replaying these movies, is a little like being out on the tiny limbs of a tree, being blown about by a storm. And this is a, an, an analogy that Gill often shares. Um, it's like we've, we've lived our lives on the tiny branches. And as we learn to be still and present, it's a little like coming off the tiny branches, deeper, uh, closer to the, the trunk of the tree. It's a little more stable. We're blown about less. And eventually, we can come, we can come right into the heartwood where we're not blown about by the worldly winds. And we don't need to be blown by them. We don't need to be blown by uh, praise and blame, gain and loss, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute. Um, and the more that we live in the thought world, the more we lose touch with our life as we experience it through the filter of our thoughts and our perceptions. So we end up lacking a sensitivity to our experience. So given that, we then seek greater intensity. Um, you know, we want uh, louder and bigger and tastier experiences. And we need that greater intensity in order to feel anything. So without training in being in the body, once we get what we've been seeking, we don't really know how to be present for it. And the Buddha stressed over and over the importance of the body because of, of, because of course, the body is always in the present. The mind with its many distractions stirs up a lot of trouble, but the body is always here. So our practice is just learning to land in it, learning to make our home in the body. In this practice, you'll often hear teachers talking about letting go. But what are we letting go into? We're letting go into the body, letting go into the body. So how do we do that? How do we feel it? It starts by making contact, just being here, learning to love the simple ease of whatever is seen or heard or smelled or tasted or touched. And to do this without getting lost in commentary uh, about the body, is difficult and it can help to be curious. This is something we talked about yesterday when talking about mindfulness of breathing. Uh, the way that curiosity is like glue for the present it keeps us connected to the present. If we can get interested in sensations and how things feel, uh, we can think about it like being a scientist, uh, kind of like being a scientist exploring the inner world. So uh, in the early 90s, there was this cartoon on TV called The Magic School Bus. And in it, Miss Frizzle, the teacher, the zany science teacher, 
uh, would take her students on these unlikely field trips inside the human body. And she would do this by shrinking the school, the school bus down to the size of a peanut, miniaturizing the students, and then they would drive the bus into a bowl of Cheetos or something like that. And then poor Arthur, the one student who always missed the school field trips, would grab a handful of Cheetos and inadvertently ingest the school bus. So from there, the field trip would begin. And all of the kids in the science class would learn about the anatomy of the human body while literally coursing through the digestive tract or you know, riding on a blood vessel being pumped through the bloodstream or something like that. So, so that's all to say that I sometimes think about mindfulness of body as a little like being on a field trip with Miss Frizzle. And so uh, when we're exploring the body from the inside, I sometimes think of it like I'm one of those miniature scientists exploring the inner world. And like Miss Frizzle, when we sit and practice being in the body, we actually are within it. We're entering into the human body and exploring it from the inside. You know, like, wow, you know, the jaw feels like this when it's clenched. Or when the stomach produces sensations of hunger, it feels like this. Or this is what it's like when the mouth feels dry. So can we bring the same curious, clear, non-judgmental attention uh, that the scientist has to our exploration of the body? Now, sometimes when we're investigating the body, we encounter something difficult. We encounter something painful. So I want to say a little bit about working with unpleasant sensations. As you practice in the body, you may notice that some sensations uh, are hard to be with, you know, that there's pain. Uh, and this is a natural experience, of course. And our job isn't to reject or hate the discomfort, but rather just to be aware of it. You know, can we practice being non-reactive to that which is uncomfortable? And in doing so, what's so powerful about that practice is that in doing so, we grow our bandwidth for being with the full spectrum of, of difficulty of human life without being unskillful in our reactions to it. You know, we grow our ability to be with what's uncomfortable without reacting unskillfully. So when unpleasant sensations arise, we might bring our interest to the pain. We might explore the sensations that make up this idea that we call pain. Sometimes when we explore closely, we find that there are only moments of aching, burning, pressure, or tightness. It's kind of a, a kaleidoscope of sensations, and that there isn't actually something there, something fixed called pain, just a kaleidoscope of sensations. And sometimes I can uh, unlock some of the rigidity that the mind holds around our idea of what the pain is. So if the discomfort for, that's a great practice to do if um, the discomfort isn't too extreme, but if the discomfort's really intense, you can also allow the attention to go elsewhere in the body, somewhere more comfortable to rest, to a more neutral sensation. So this is a way that we can resource. So say if the back hurts, you might allow the attention to go to the breath, um, maybe go to the breath in the belly or go to the feet or such, somewhere that feels neutral. 
or another place that we can go is if there's discomfort in the body, we can pay attention to sounds as our primary anchor, give ourselves a little spaciousness. And of course, it's really important to know the limits of our bodies and to respect those limits and not pushing ourselves to sit in or hold postures that might um, exacerbate an injury, for example. So, so it's always okay to consciously choose to move, um, to shift postures, um, to readjust during a meditation period, um, doing it mindfully, doing it with awareness, um, uh, such that we can be present and also that we can be compassionate with ourselves. And of course, unpleasant sensations aren't all we find in meditation. We can also experience incredibly pleasant sensations. You know, the body can be filled with lightness, with ease, with relaxation or spaciousness. So if an area of the the body feels pleasant, you can allow yourself to enter into that sensation, to feel it fully um, and to be nourished by it. um, our renunciation practice doesn't mean that we can't experience what's beautiful. So um, uh, suffering comes from clinging, right? from craving, not from needing what's pleasant. So you can enjoy a pleasant sensation. Uh, you know, if there's an, a pleasant sensation in the body, you might enjoy it kind of like sliding into a bath. And just allowing yourself to soak there and really take it up allowing your attention to rest in the pleasantness. And then, of course, when that sensation goes, because it will, um, not clinging to it, not grasping after it. So I think I'd like to end by just doing a little review of how you might continue practicing with the body. This is what we talked about, uh, what I talked about in the meditation. So um, we start when we sit down to meditate. It can be really helpful to start with mindfulness of breathing. We're directing our attention to that felt sense of inhaling and exhaling. And then from there, we expand our meditation uh, to include other sensations in the body. So the breath is still our primary anchor. But we can begin to include sensations uh, elsewhere as they present themselves. So we still are, have a preference for the breath. But when something else becomes strong in the body, uh, then we allow our attention to go to that sensation. We feel it until it's faded away, and then we return our attention to the primary anchor of the breath. So that's uh, a little bit of what your your practice could look like at this phase of the instructions. So uh, I hope that these teachings have inspired you to let go into the body, uh, to let go of the narratives of your minds, and maybe to come in off the branches, off the tiny branches, and enter into the heartwood of your life. So I hope that you all have a wonderful day today, and I look forward to seeing you tomorrow for a discussion of mindfulness of emotions. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care.